we'll have to RSVP this from now on. So, God, I have all my winter clothes packed away. And man, my white pants didn't look right with anything but sandals and my feet are freezing. Because <laughs> I, I don't know how they wear flip-flops all year round. My feet are always cold, so... Anyway, I appreciate you being here. We'll try to go fairly quickly. Um, did you read yesterday's devotional? I read yesterday's devotional, and if you read it, that's fine. I'm going to read it again. It says, you saw me before I was born, a prayer for knowing God's will. The psalmist wrote, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every morning moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. If you want to know God's will for your life, pray this prayer. Lord, you knew me completely before I was born. You shaped me and destined me for a purpose. Give me a clear vision of all you want to do in and through me. I desperately need to understand what the hope of my calling is and the exceeding greatness of your power to enable me to fulfill your purpose. Show me the gifts you have put in me and how I can develop and use them for your glory. Help me to think big and pray boldness. I want to be open and available for whatever you have for me and not miss your blessings by being unprepared to receive them. Help me not to hold on to things or relationships that are not of you. I want to do your will with my whole heart. Only you know what and who is right for me. Help me to hear your voice and give me the grace and courage to follow your leading when I am afraid. May the desires of your heart become the desires of my heart. Enlarge my capacity to believe that you can take what I have and multiply it beyond what I can imagine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I know Mike and other ministers talk about knowing your purpose, knowing what God has for you, the plans he has for you. And yes, I agree, you know, we were all born with a purpose, but I'm 61 years old and sometimes I try to figure out <laughs> what the heck, was, what am I supposed to be doing now? You know, what am I doing what I should? Should I be doing more? Should I be doing less and praying more, you know, and it's, I found out God never tells me the whole plan. It's just kind of one step at a time, one day at a time, but then when you look back, it kind of all comes together, and and so we've been going through this on what men and women are called to do, because I think if we know what, scripturally, what we are supposed to do, then it will help us, it, it just you kind of set your course. And through the years, you know, I've studied and the kids have done homework and they get these assignments and they can't figure them out. And I look at them and they give you all this stuff and then a vague question that they want you to know exactly what that teacher's thinking. And how do you know? And it always frustrates me. And I understand if it's English literature and you kind of need to interpret the whole thing. But if it's biology, just tell me A, B, C. This is what you need to know. This is why you need to know it. And that's kind of the way it is with the Word of God. There's, you've got this whole guideline, but I want to know A, B, C, D. But you've got to spend a little time. I suppose if you spent time studying biology and all this then you would grasp the whole thing. But I, you know, want to get to the bottom of it. Let's not waste time. So 
technically what we talked about before. God put people on earth, and he, he sent the man for a purpose, and he sent the women for the purpose, and we get that kind of blurry. And there's, you know, not, you know, I don't believe in the real strict legalistic whole thing, but basically he sent us on earth to produce, to be fruitful and to multiply. And man's purpose in two words is to protect and provide, and women's is to train and nurture. Because God's heart is that we just keep producing the kingdom of God and promoting the kingdom of God, that that might be established on the earth. And we get a lot of things out of whack. And frankly, a lot of the problems we have in this country is because our generation and the generation before us have not done a very good job in training, nurturing, providing, and protecting. But we look at the, I always thought the funniest, best, most relevant episode of Seinfeld, never watched Seinfeld, was Newman. Newman always screwed up. You know, everything Newman did was wrong, and there was one episode about Newman. He came to the realization that everything he did was wrong so that he decided if he everything he did was opposite of what he thought, then it would probably be right. Well, that's kind of like it is living in the world today. The world has this concept and picture, and it's going against the things of God, so it's all opposite. So if we just do what was opposite of the world, we'd probably be right on target. Now it's getting really warm in here. Are you warm? So anyway, if we just take the Word of God, and we make the Word of God sometimes so difficult and so... And it shouldn't be. But the one thing you understand with the word of God and with the ways of God, God is very orderly. Everything is done in order, step by step by step. So if we go through the steps, then we should get to the final goal where he wants us to be. So we talked about a couple times ago, there were six scriptural goals for raising children. And the first one was that we want children to increase in stature. Physically, mentally, they need to be healthy and strong, and we need to promote that as parents, as grandparents, you know, because that's the order of God. It's like if you aren't physically and mentally strong, you're not going to go to the next point, to the next point. There's a scripture in the New Testament, and I don't have it here, but it talks about first the grain and then the blade, and then the seed. In other words, first the seed the, goes into the ground, and you get the blade, and then it produces the harvest. And I heard, I don't know, was it Charles Cap, one of the great faith teachers, and said, if you study that, that's faith. Because it's always God's order, seed, blade, harvest. And it's always an orderly thing. So we think the same thing with children and raising kids you have first that the first part is that we need to grow physically, be strong, and mentally. Because if you aren't those things, then you can't go on to the other things. So we want our children to be strong. The world promotes, the world I call it, the world in pseudo-Christians, promote weak, easily offended, self-seeking victims. And we see that more all the time. And that is the direct opposite of godliness. 
if you really study the word of God, and I didn't have time to go through it. We don't have time today. If you want to know what, something to study in the word of God, go to your concordance and look up strong and strength. And it's just full of that. God blessed the people, the, the Samsons and, and the Davids and, and the Ruths and the Deborahs that were strong. They were not victim people. And Proverbs 24, 5 says, A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. And, you know, we think of the weight room. And, yes, you know, I'm into fitness and health, and I believe we should be strong physically, but that doesn't mean you have to be a, a huge Mr. Universe or something. But we need to be strong physically, but we need to be strong on the inside. And before you can really become strong on the inside, we need to have some strength on the outside. So a wise man is strong, yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. Um, so we need to, to look at that because the world wants to victimize everybody. They want to be make us soft and not able to defend ourselves. And I don't think that's godliness at all. We need our children to be strong, and we need to raise them to be strong and to be assertive and to be active and to be sharp. And, and so that is number one, that we want to, our children to grow and increase in stature. And there are things we can do in the natural to promote that, just activity and, and fitness. And, and, you know, we need to encourage them to be, endeavor to have lots of abilities and experiences and those kind of things. And those are just very simple, natural things in our lives. But that's what I said. Sometimes we just make the word of God too far out and too spiritualized when we just need to really focus on just the basic things. Number two, and we talked about this with Jesus. It talked about um, that Jesus grew in stature and then it talks about he waxed strong or grew strong in spirit. So inner strength is built while developing physical skills. Yesterday we had a, my cousin's granddaughter graduated here in Norfolk. And a bunch of the relatives from Lincoln and Grand Island surprised us and all came up. And it was fun because we don't get to see each other very much. But when we, you know, last time I gave a lot of stories about myself and how all the trouble we got into and all these things. And, you know, I think about, you, you say, well, you were like that. But, you know, the one thing that changed me was Jesus. And, you know, you can have people that are have struggled in their life and get in trouble and do all these things, but you get Jesus in your life and it changes everything. But two of the cousins that were there yesterday were just younger than I was, and we always kind of hung out together and got in trouble together. And their grandpa was had the filling station in town, and he was a mechanic, and he liked cars, and he'd bought this little foreign car. It was just a tiny little thing, kind of a hot rod, and he loved that thing. Well, I don't know why he did it, but one day he let the three of us take it out for a drive. And the youngest one, who was kind of the just a hot rodder and anything anyway, not too responsible, we, he was driving, and we took it out north in the hills of Monroe. You get out between Monroe and Lindsay, and it's pretty hilly, and we got out in the hills, and he gunned it, and we flew off the road into the ditch. Amazing we didn't roll it or kill ourselves or you know, anything like that. And, oh, 
just dead. He just loved that car. But it was so little, it just sat right in the ditch. It was perfect. So his name was Russ that was driving. We said, Russ, you gun it, and Mike and I will push, and we'll get it out because we did not want anybody to know, find out. Well, we couldn't get it. So they says, okay, I'm driving. I said, I'm driving, and you two guys push. And they said, but it's a clutch, and you don't know how to drive a clutch. I says, I just learned. So we got in, and I gunned that thing. Funny, I didn't pop the engine out of it. And they pushed, and we came flying out of that ditch, and then we had to park it on the side to get all the brome grass out. And we drove it back to town and parked it and never told anybody. But you know, when you get in lots of trouble, you become very self-sufficient. <laughs> you learn how to get, you learn, you just become self-sufficient. You learn how to figure things out and get yourself out of trouble. And so, you know, we were just, I was just thinking about that. You know, all these experiences, be they good or be they bad, is kind of what makes you strong in spirit. And, I, you know, I had lots of opportunities to figure things out. <laughs> anyway, so you want your kids to wax strong, to be strong in spirit, to develop an inner strength that is built on developing physical skills. Experiences that produce physical competency are incubators for developing a hu strong human spirit. So, so many times anymore, um, we, we have this tendency, we kind of live in a society that's very fearful and tentative. This one cousin was telling me this grandpa that had this car, when my cousin turned 15 years old, just had his learner's permit, Lou let him drive to Lincoln. All the way to Lincoln. I mean, they just let us do things back there, and it's so different now. And, you know, I used to get in so much trouble, but I would always tell Caleb and Micah, you've got to be careful because the things that we did then, now, you could get in real big trouble for. Back then, it was just nothing. It was just everybody just let you do these things. Well, anyway, I believe, you know, we need to give the kids wisdom, but we need to let them experience some things. Um, there's nothing wrong uh, with excelling, but we need to keep our perspective and our priorities in order. And I was thinking about this, and I told a math teacher at the high school this once, I've just decided the older I get, they just as well know what I think. <laughs> I just need to try to be nice about saying it. And she was pushing this math class that I didn't think Micah needed. <laughs> And I said, you know, my husband's been in the ministry for 30 years, and we've sat by a lot of deathbeds. And I said, never once did anybody on one of those deathbeds said they wish that they'd taken trigonometry more when they were in high school. <laughs> but I said, you know, there were all, there, all of them wish, all of them wish that they had spent more time with their families. And so I was thinking about this and, you know, all the purposes in our lives and we, we need to have goals and we need to excel and we need, I believe, in education. But when it comes down to it, it comes down to our relationship with God and our relationship with the people around us and our families. And those are the things, if you ever read the obituaries in the paper, once in a while, I look kind of look at them occasionally, and if somebody catches my eye or they look, I read the obituary. 
you know, and they all say, oh, he's a big red fan and liked to gamble. <laughs> she was a good cook, but it always comes down to love my family, love my family. And, and we have neighbors, neat, a lot of neighbors. We have kind of a nice neighborhood, but there are a lot of older ones. And some of them, their kids left when they got out of high school and they never come back. And that just troubles me because it's the people in our lives that are important to us. And if we cut those relationships off or whatever, in fact, one of my, the cousins that was there yesterday, he was very educated and his wife was very educated and they had three kids. And they were kind of religious, I always thought, kind of the ones that kind of shoved it down the kids. Well, now the wife just died of cancer one kid lives in Brazil or Argentina. I have no idea why. One lives in the Dominican Republic. I can see that. <laughs> and one lives in Seattle. And he, ha he was an only child. His um, uncle died in World War II, never was missing. That. So he has no cousins. We were kind of the opposite side of the family. He's all alone. He has no one. And I, you could see in his eyes he was sad. And it made me feel bad. And so, you know, when it comes down to what's your purpose in life, the number one thing is your relationship with God and the relationship with your families. And so, you know, I just want to encourage you, you know, those are really need to be the priorities. Those are where we're at. So we want to invest in kids. We want to help them through. And, and so point, the second thing, well, we want them to increase in stature, increase in, um, to grow in stature and strength and strength of spirit. And then we talked about this last time, to increase in wisdom. And we all need to increase in wisdom. You never grow too old to need to increase in wisdom. In Luke 2.40, and I wrote these out for just the sake of time, and we talked about these before. And this is talking about Jesus, and it said, The child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, if that was Jesus, that should be our goal. You know, and you've heard several years ago the WWJD, what would Jesus do? And everybody was quoting, well, what would Jesus do? And there were a lot of little pat, sappy answers, but this is what Jesus would do. He grew strong in, in body, mind, spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So that should not only be our goal for our children and our children's children, but ultimately it needs to be our goal for ourselves. If you are not strong in spirit, you will have difficulty becoming wise because you will not be able to stand against all the fools and foolishness of the world. And there is so much. And it, the kids today are just bombarded with everything. And there's so much foolishness in the world and if they're not strong and know where they stand on things, it's going to be very difficult to stand against these things. In Luke 2.52, it says, In Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Increased in wisdom is the key here. We increase in wisdom. It's something we need to grow in continually. Wisdom does not just happen. And that's what I talked about, if you weren't here last time, just all the stupid things I did in my life. Just I just filled my life with a lot of stupid foolishness and fun. But, but it doesn't happen overnight. And, 
you know, this incident, a lot of the stuff I did that was stupid was before I was born again, but this incident of driving the car in the ditch, that was after I was born again. But you do not, you don't, just because you get born again doesn't make you wise immediately. We had a really kind of weird thing I don't think I told you about. We went down to the booth in the antique store in Lincoln, and we were setting up in the booth. Did I tell you about this? And this old woman came in, and she liked our stuff, and she's kind of prim and proper, and she um, said, well, I have a little antique store over in Strang, Nebraska. Why don't you stop sometime? And we just got visiting. And, and well, she said, uh, my son and my daughter and son-in-law are here. And, and they were, we introdu she introduced us and we said something about, well, I went to Oral Roberts University. She said, well, that's where they went. Well, I looked at him and he looked kind of familiar. Well, then... Um, she left her card, and when she, I didn't have my glasses on, so I didn't read it till she left. And after she left, I looked at the name, and of all things, her daughter was my first roommate at All Roberts University. This girl, and and they were from back east. Never in a million years would I ever suspected. Well, the old lady's husband was a pastor, and they got sent to Strang, Nebraska, and she just stayed. Now the thing is. This girl and I did not get along. She was from back east. Her parents were ministers, so she grew up in a minister's home. They were very educated. They loved music. I grew up in the Midwest, not very educated parents, <laughs> hated music, <laughs> loved sports, and she, it was, we were just from opposite worlds. And we were both young, and, and neither one of us had a lot of wisdom, so we just harassed each other. <laughs> but... So wisdom doesn't come. It's a step-by-step -step thing. And so many times with kids, we expect them to know what to do, and they just aren't going to know. You know, I had good parents, but I just was so full of it, I just did stupid things. And But we, as Christians, we get new people in church that just get born again, and we expect them to be perfect so many times. And, and they aren't, because she and I were born again, but we were just young in the Lord, and we were just stupid. We weren't wise. We didn't handle ourselves wisely. So wisdom comes. We're both better now. She she looked pretty good. She was kind of wimpy back then, and I probably toughened her up a little bit. But anyway, maybe she softened me a little bit. Anyway, Wisdom does not happen suddenly. It is a step-by-step -step process. It is a process. It comes from life's experiences coupled with applying the word of God. So we need our kids to have lots of life experiences. And I know we, you know, you pester about technology, and there are good things about technology, but don't let the kids just sit. They need to be out doing things. They need to experience life and then they need to have the word of God in their life because life's experiences coupled with applying the word of God is what creates wisdom Isaiah 28 10 says for precept must be upon precept precept upon precept they reiterate this line upon line line upon line here a little there a little the order of God we talked about the order of God everything's in order and it's a step by step by step process so this is a good guideline for raising children, precept upon precept. That's where the nurturing and the training comes in from the women. It needs to be a thing over 
and over and over. So line upon, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Don't shove it down their throats. You know, don't force it on them. Live it in your lives, and then they will see it. But this is also a good scripture for us personally. It's a guideline for making the necessary changes in your life. A lot of people just want a magic wand or want everything to be perfect in, in one time, and it's never going to be that way. But if you have habits in your life, things that you need to change, it's got to be precept upon precept, line upon line. And a lot of it comes, we get it, we try to make ourselves change. It really comes from the grace of God and the word of God in our lives. Let the word of God, if you just get in the word of God, spend time with God, something happens on the inside and it, it will bring change and it will help you to bring change. So it's the same thing with our kids. Allow them time. Don't panic if they make mistakes. You know, that those are good things sometimes. You just don't want them to make life and death mistakes. Let them make little mistakes. Learn from their consequences. Wisdom discerns and recognizes good from evil. We had another, another school shooting. And I heard, I read one thing. The one kid's first reply was, oh, this kid was so nice. This kid was so nice. I never would have suspected. Well, then the next kid interviewed said, this kid had all the signs. Born to kill t-shirts, postings of violence and stuff. But the problem is, so many kids are so naive and they just don't get it. There's such a naivety because we're so protect, want to live in a society that wants to so protect us. I don't think they can recognize, you know, good from evil. Um, Kaylee's little sister Bailey is a freshman at the high school, and I get a kick out of Bailey. She's opinionated like her father and <laughs> like me. But she was telling me, she says, there is a kid at the high school, and he's in one of my classes, and she said, he scares me. He is so, she says, if there is going to be a mass killing, this is what she says, if there's going to be a mass shooting at Norfolk, I'm getting away from him because it's, and she, but she, rec because your kid's opinionated, I mean, if you've grown up around somebody opinionated, they start to rub off on you and you start to recognize some things. And yes, we want our kids to grow and be innocent and pure, but we don't, don't let them be naive. They need to recognize the evils that are in the world. Wisdom will recognize the evils that are in the world and learn how to deal with them, stay away from them, stand against them. Um, it takes someone strong to overcome evil with good. And that's why it's not only important for our kids to be strong, but we need to be strong because there's so much evil out there. In uh, Psalm 97.10, it says, You who love the Lord hate evil. And some people, in, you know, in America today, there's just people that don't get it. They, what they think is good is not good, and what they think is evil is really good. But it says, those who love the Lord hate evil. And this is the, the, the kicker here. If you love the Lord, if you hate evil, he will preserve the soul, your soul. He will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked. And we want that in our kids' lives. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of the saints, and he delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. 
and that's a good thing. So we need to recognize that kids need to grow up and recognize right from wrong and good from evil and how to deal with it and how to stay away with it or stand against it. It takes someone strong to overcome evil with good. There are too many out there overcoming good with evil because we have so many weak, snivelly Christians. We've gone through a period and, and Christianity thinks, oh, we have to, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You know, he just loves everybody and he doesn't judge. No, it says if you love God, you hate evil. And to hate evil, you've got to recognize what it is. And so those, a lot of those lines are so blurry. And so we need to be strong. We need to know right from wrong. We need to be able to stand against it. So, so we need to be strong in body, strong in spirit, have wisdom. And then the next point is we need to, if you grow in stature, you're strong in spirit, you become wise. When you do these things, then you and your children are in position to have the grace of God upon our lives. And really, that's the ultimate goal. Why do we want to be strong? Why do we want to be wise? So that we can have the grace of God upon our lives. Great, you know, some of the terms like righteousness, the definitions, grace, they are almost so immense that they're hard to comprehend. How do you comprehend the righteousness of God? How do you comprehend the grace of God? Actually, Joyce Meyer used to do a teaching, and she has a book. I suppose it's still out there about grace, grace, and more grace. And she came from a very dysfunctional home and and so if you really want to understand grace I would recommend that would be a, a great but grace the grace of God we want the grace of God upon our lives it was the grace of God that day we didn't roll that car <laughs> there was another incident that was the grace of God that we did roll the car and we walked away from it you know you want God will protect that and we want that for our our families I saw Lily posted that shooting in Texas you posted a picture and then it was on News Channel Nebraska. I think it was you. Somebody posted a picture of somebody from down there and one of the victims that was shot. Well, then in News Channel Nebraska, it said that um, her grandparents were from Tilden, had one set of grandparents from Tilden and one set of grandparents from Neely. Last year when we did the antiques at the Tilden Prairie days, we had these two cute little girls that came into our booth and they were just sweet and they bought some art pottery out of our booth and the next day they bought bought their grandma back and grandma lived at Tilden and I think the other grandparents lived at Neely and this family lived in Texas and oh my gosh they were the sweetest little girls and I, you don't want that to happen to anybody but I would hate that to have been them but I kind of wonder if it wasn't but we want the grace of God on our lives it says in Luke 2, 4, and this is about Jesus, and the child grew, became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So if that is what Jesus did, that's what we want in our life. Grace, very simply, is the provision of God to help in time of need. And my gosh, we all need the grace of God. Every little thing, we need the grace of God. Our children need the grace of God. The grace is the provision of God to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16 says, Come to the throne of grace to obtain favor to help in time of need. Grace is favor accompanied with provision. 
grace is from God. The grace of God comes from salvation. We receive it at the time of salvation. But here's one thing. A child that I was reading, a child that is born in the home of believing parents is born with the grace of God upon their lives because of the believing parents. So there is a real plus for being born again as parents. Okay, because that child is immediately sanctified by the believing parents. Now, what if you say, well, I didn't have that opportunity. Well, my mom was a believer, my dad wasn't. I mean, some people come. You can have the grace of God the minute you ask Jesus into your heart. That comes upon you. But ultimately, wouldn't it be wonderful if that grace was there from the very beginning? Because one of the things that the grace of God, as I was studying this out, the grace of God on children of believing parents, they are sanctified. The grace of God upon your life sanctifies you and it sets you apart, which you receive at salvation. But wouldn't you like your children to be sanctified and set apart by God from the very conception? From And yes, everybody has, God has a plan for everybody's life, but there is a special grace. So don't take that for granted. That's very important. Now, it talked about, I read in that, prayer and it talked about God puts the desires of our heart gives us the desires of heart and it says he will give you the desires of your heart now there's two ways you can read that you have a desire in your heart and you want something and God will give that to you or is it God put that desire in your heart for a purpose so I always had I love the outdoors love being outside and when I first got born again, I would just spend a lot of time outdoors talking to God. It just seemed that's where I could hear from God. So I've always loved the outdoors. So before Caleb was born, I was praying for him, and I just had this strong desire to pray for him. I wanted him to be an outdoorsman because I thought uh, the way the world is, if he could be outdoors, yeah. You know, in all the problems of the world, if you love the outdoors, he could get out and away from all the problems of the world and you could hear from God. And so that was the desire. I wanted him to be an outdoorsman. So I prayed that. And it was like sometimes when you pray, you know, you can pray. And sometimes it's like you hit the vein. It's like you get that unction. When I, I still remember when I prayed that for him to be an outdoorsman, there was an unction. There was an anointing upon that. Well, see. That's, he loves it. So God must have had a purpose for him to be that way. There must be a plan for his life. And everybody thinks, you know, if you're a minister, that kid's got to grow up to be a minister. God wanted him for some reason to be an outdoorsman. There was a plan and purpose there. And I remember I prayed the same thing for Micah, but it wasn't as strong. And I just always felt like with Micah it was going to be more athletics or physical fitness and and that's just and he loves the outdoors but not like Caleb and there's so God has all these things for our kids and sometimes we try to put them too much in a box and they've got to be like this and they got to be like that let them be what God wants them to be and as a parent as a mother that train and nurture nurture those gifts in their lives nurture those graces in their lives because that's where the grace of God is going to be upon them, okay? And so if they're, they're different from everybody else, that's fine. You know, I was always different from everybody else. I was always different from that roommate at ORU. But that was where God wanted me to be. 
And that's where the grace is on my life. That's the grace on your life is where God wants you to be that special place. And then you need to function in that grace. And you also need to realize that if you're a believer and you have kids or grandkids, God will give you the grace to do what you need to do. So some people don't recognize that. They don't tap into that. But tap into the grace of God. One thing I always pray for the boys is whatever they're doing was like Micah had speech class this year, and he just, you know what, everybody hates speech class, don't they? Grace. He would go to that class, and i just say, grace. I speak grace to that mountain for him. And he, he did it. He got through it. So don't don't be afraid to pray speak grace over your children over your grandchildren and draw on that grace in your life so believing parents are important and the word of god in your life is important the word of god is a living thing and make sure that you know it's more important that you live the word and you know don't like i always say don't shove it down their throats i've seen so many people shove it down the kids throats the kids don't want anything and they don't really get anything out of it live it here a little there a little here a little just put little things in here put little things in there make sure that they see you are endeavoring to live the word of god so grace comes from believing parents grace comes from salvation Grace comes from the word of God in your life. It always comes back to the word of God in your life. The word of God is a living thing. And it's very important that that we have that in the life. The next thing, the grace, is true worship. We need to learn to be worshipers. We need our kids to be worshipers. Now, one thing we think of is we we come into a church and and we worship. But worship goes way beyond that. And if we would all learn to worship, then the worship, we would make Abe's job a lot easier. And that's why I guess I always liked the outdoors. That's why I wanted the boys to be outdoorsmen. Because I think when you see nature, I saw Nancy post something about looking at the mountains. When you sit and look at those things, you have to be a worshiper. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. The sunsets. And we have so many birds. And and it just... I, I just like to go out and tell God how beautiful the flowers are today. You know, oh my, and and appreciate those things that God has done. And we need, the kids, kids need to grow up and be so thankful for what they have and appre- learn to appreciate what they have. And so true worship, when you just love God and appreciate what he's done for you, um, that's important. The grace of God is there. Um, And then the final thing is fellowship with believers. And fellowship is changing. It's it's different than what it used to be because everybody's so busy. But fellowship with believers should include parents and grandparents and and family members. And and homes should be pleasant, peaceful, fun, and challenging. And your kids should want to come back and see you. And they should want to be around we grew up, my, you know, I never realized we were dysfunctional before that word was ever invented. You know, our family was just out there and rowdy. And, and so all these cousins got together yesterday and, and, and we had one thing in common. We just love being together. And that's what makes me so sad about some of these family. The kids leave and 
they're never together anymore. And there's something wrong with that. We should want to be together. We should want to, I, you don't see, like these cousins yesterday, we don't see each other, but it was so good to be with them. And we just want the kids to come home. We want the families to be around. And, and so we want the homes to be pleasant and peaceful and, and fun. If, you know, if it wasn't fun, we were dysfunctional, but we were fun. <laughs> we were dysfunctionally fun, but we had fun together. And it's, it was the element that kept everybody together. We just had fun. We were crazy and wild and harassed each other, but we were fun and we loved to be together. And that is one thing in my life that I will, would, I'm so thankful that I never would have wanted to give up those times together where we just had fun. And so we've always tried to endeavor, uh, you know, maybe we are not the most gracious people, but we have fun. And so your families need to be activity-based, not so much entertainment-based. Do things. Second Timothy, and we're just going to close with this, Second Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So that applies to each one of us. We should all be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me, this was, was Paul telling Timothy, and the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So this is the whole purpose, to be strong in body, to be strong in spirit, to be wise have the grace upon you so that you can commit these things so you can take these things that you've received from God and share them with other people that the gospel might be you know promoted and the world would be a better place if everybody just simply did those things and so I just want to encourage you you know I was praying a couple weeks ago and I got this I would just get occasionally get something, and I know it's from God, and and it's so anti the world, opposite the world, and it said, "Think small." In my spirit, it just rose up. Think small. And then I got the scripture line upon line. Precept, you know, yes, we want to think big. We want to have goals and and achieve things, but you don't achieve those things and get there without doing the small things. And I think if we you know, concentrate on doing the small things step by step, line upon line, precept upon precept, that, that we'll get there to the big things. And like I said, the big things, though, sometimes the what we think are big and important. And I know Dick Mills was a blessing in our life, the old minister, and he said the older you get, especially in ministry, your priorities change. And, boy, I've seen that. The priority, it isn't about the bigness anymore. It's about the people, it's about just wanting to see them succeed and wanting them to do well and and th the other things don't matter so much, just the ones that we have in our lives. So I think with our families and just the people that God puts in your lives, just, you know, take time and and s the grace of God will abound. If God puts you in, the, in your life, we have affected more people in our lives personally. It's the people, the antique people. And but that's where Mike's grace is other than the ministry. It's the antiques, and those are the people that he's able to reach because they have the simple, similar interests. Caleb's able to reach the trappers and 
and you know the music people can reach the music people and those are the graces of God and so we just need to draw on the grace of God not just for our children but in our own lives the grace of God Heavenly Father we thank you for the many many gifts that come with salvation we thank you that we're born again we thank you that you give us health we thank you that you help us to prosper. We thank you, Father God, that you give us wisdom, and you said that we can ask for wisdom. But, Father God, we covet grace. We ask for your grace upon our lives and the lives of our children and the lives of our children's children's. Grace, grace, Father God, grace, grace, and more grace. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.